This episode of Money Reimagined is sponsored by PayPal. You're listening to Coindesk's Money Reimagined with Michael Casey and Sheila Warren. Hello and welcome to Money Reimagined. Very happy to be back uh, for quite some time now. I uh, have not had the opportunity of doing the show that is two people's show with the two of us actually in the same room. So Sheila Warren and I together today. Yay. Anyway, this is Money Reimagined. You can listen to us weekly on the Coindesk Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcast, and we would love to hear from you. So tell us what you think about us or the show or both. Email us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, Money Reimagined. Hey, Sheila, stranger. How are you? Hey, Michael. It's so great to see you, although what a... (laughs) So yeah. I, you know, I don't know. So much has happened. Where do we? Even- yeah, we, we live in. Yes. Well, we did. We did choose to work in the crypto industry, which means that we we are part circus performers and uh, uh, part whatever else we do. But this does feel like a circus right now. This Certainly, is just the world. It's not even just. I mean, well, the world is hard. The world. Right? I was. Think, I'm thinking the circus oh, is the God. trial that we were all obsessed with, but the rest of the world is really more than a circus. This is tragedy on a on a massive, massive scale. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you've, I, I feel like we have to take a moment to just acknowledge what's going on. I, I don't know if you've watched any of the videos. They're just unbelievable, unbelievably horrific, um, unbelievably horrific. The latest revelations about what happened. We're, of course, referring, for, yeah, for those who come in later to this, we're referring to the terrorist attacks uh, in Israel. Uh, now this war that's happening in Gaza. And uh, in addition to that, I mean, it's just chaos everywhere, Michael. I mean, so so we have we have a, a, a war, we have absolutely unprecedented, horrific terrorist attacks of a kind that I, I don't know that we've seen in, in a generation, quite frankly. Then we have um, the Speaker of the House situation in Washington, that clown show, if I may. Um, then we've got, of course, two trials happening in New York, like a block away from each other. Right. We've got Sam Bankman free. We've got Donald Trump, who somehow mm-hmm. is not getting a lot of airtime in all of this, uh, which I find very interesting. Uh, so I, w- where to even begin? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, there's a lot of people just putting their heads in the sand right now. This is just too much. Almost. Yeah. But, but it, you know, look, this, let, let's just acknowledge that the, the utter tragedy that is that is the attack on Israel and and the retaliation, the very fact that we've just, this conflagration has now just been taken to another level and, and the horrible, horrible um, civilian casualties, of, civilian the, casualties the, on both sides, but the, but the torture. I mean, just the, the cold the terror, blood she bloodthirsty terrorism on a level that I don't think any of us could have imagined, as you said. So, Look, there is a crypto angle in this. This is our, our job is not to sit here as, you know, either geopolitical or, you know, conflict resolution commentators, but we certainly, you know, it, it matters to everybody, every human being. As human, um, yes. Yeah. Given how horrific this, this story is, the fact that th- there was an order to shut down uh, crypto accounts used by Hamas and that finance came in to cooperate with that, of course, is... Yet another negative story around around crypto. I mean, I mean, uh, we had somebody on first mover out the TV show mm-hmm. that I was hosting this morning, who was making the point that, like, you know, well, it, kind of at least you've got traceability that actually allows this, and that's a positive with crypto. But at the same time, I think that 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 nuance is going to be lost in so many people right now. Um, it's this guilt by association problem that we've encountered elsewhere. So. I don't know. How do, what, what, what do you make of this part of the story and what it means for our industry? Let me just say this. So speaking personally, just completely personally now, I 
certainly believe that any avenue that can be used to divert funds away from terrorists that can use that can be used to expose and eventually prosecute terrorists and terrorist activity should be used. And certainly we know, you know, Hamas back in, I think, 2017, it was stopped using Bitcoin because they realized pretty quickly that Bitcoin was quite traceable and that that was not going to serve their uh, need to be, you know, invisible, to basically move funds or move value, you know, invisibly. And that was the opposite of what they wanted to do. And we certainly know that for centralized exchanges, uh, which are running KYC or AML, uh, it's like they're supposed to, especially in the United States and in Western Western democracies, that um, you can, you know, figure out and you can use sort of somewhat traditional methods to figure out, you know, who might be the recipient or the sender of funds. And that is done. That is done with some level of vigilance. In fact, compliance with AML regimes is for U.S.-based exchanges. Uh, in many cases, their single biggest budget line is compliance with with that to ensure that they're not in violation of sanctions or of, of the rules around that. So I think all of that is is not widely known. It's certainly known within the industry. I don't know that it's widely known, right? And when we talk about terrorists getting funding, ordinarily we're talking mm-hmm. about the theft of funds uh, through an exploit sometimes through a bridge, you know, whatever, through code that was not properly secured in some cases. I'm speaking very generally here. Mm-hmm. We're not always, we're not usually talking about funds kind of moving in the ordinary course of, of crypto business, if you will, that are being used by terrorists, right? Because a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to root that out. And I do think that deserves acknowledgement as well. Now, that being said, I certainly think as an industry, we should have zero problem and we should just be completely united in denouncing terrorists. That should not be a hard thing to do. But I got to tell you, I've been a bit disheartened by the silence uh, from many corners. So in the face of something that I think should be a just as a human being should be something that we are easily able to denounce and to commit, I would say, to doing our level best and whatever that looks like in our various roles. We all have different roles in this in this industry. But doing our very best to ensure that these horrible actors, uh, murderers, and frankly, do not gain access to funds that can support them in their murderous slash illicit uh, activities. So that's kind of what I, I, I and that's yeah. a, yeah, go ahead. But I mean, as, as you mentioned, like it, certainly for US exchanges, you know, KYC, AML compliance, this is a huge part of what they have to do. One would think that, you know, exchanges that were involved in this particular incident would, should have had those sorts of checks and balances in place. And so, I mean, whether or not this sort of raises questions about the quality of that, there's one in particular that's, we'll say it, it's Binance because it's in the story. Like, you know, does this sort of raise questions for them? And, you know, it's just getting harder and harder to make the case that, you know, things that I think are, I, I still believe are truly valid solutions for privacy preservation in this industry and we you and I have talked you know at length over the years uh, around why this is important from a financial conclusion perspective and so forth but like you see things like this trying to make a case for tornado cash for example and it, it's just very hard because the enforcement agencies can just say look look what happened bad guys really really bad guys really 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 bad and then the nuance of the conversation is lost. And so I just feel like it's, it's almost just a complete and utter losing battle. Um, any of the kind of, you know, pro-privacy arguments around uh, how we manage this, you know, push for surveillance, uh, which I think is 
just yet another tragedy to be honest because the fallout is it does it means yeah. the the poor and others are undermined or, you know you know i mean look I'll, I'll also say what i've said before on the show and in other venues which is you know i am a a south asian woman who was present and you know lived in new york uh, and was present after 9 11 and is very very well aware of what the patriot act did to my community and it is troubling to me that instances like this, which again, this should be a no-brainer denouncing these acts should just be the most obvious human reaction in my opinion, period, right? I just think that should be, that's my personal, again, my personal opinion. That being said, you know, these situations are ripe for exploitation and they are ripe for those who do want to increase government surveillance, who do want to uh, crack down on civil liberties, you know, to come in and, and attempt to push through rules that are going to make that possible. Now, in this case, of course, the United States is not does not have victims. Well, I guess there are actually American citizens who've been kidnapped, from what I understand, and French citizens as well who've been kidnapped by Hamas. So who knows, right? Who knows what we're going to actually see? Now, I suppose moving, I, you know, we could maybe move to our next topic, which is the mm. U.S. government's not doing anything anytime soon because the U.S. government, yeah. is, you know, at least one branch of uh, one chamber of one branch of government is not currently functioning. So uh, the the ability for the U.S. government to quickly mobilize around legislation is not a current state of affairs, to say the least. Um, and, uh, you know, I, today, I mean, Michael, right, like probably right now while we're recording this, uh, there is jockeying happening in the House on the Republican side to see who the next speaker of the House might be. And I have to tell you, I got jokes about this for days, uh, but my, my favorite one uh, is, you know, I really thought when the writer's strike ended, you know, we'd be able to come out of the simulation, right? Like the AI would stop writing for us and we'd get some good content. Yet here we are, you know, here this, we that's are. That's a goodie. That's a goodie. Yeah, right? yeah. You got yeah, to really put a lighthearted thing on this, but does that does feel like somebody, some monster is writing the script of our it's lives like right GPT now. Neg- zero, negative it, it's like, for goodness <laughs> sake, you know, I, I, I've seen the Matrix. I don't need to actually be you know, reminded that, it, that it's a possibility. It, it, says, it does. It feels like that indeed. Look, we don't know at this stage who that that is. Maybe by the time our listeners are listening to this, they will know. So again, you know, showing the reality, folks, that this is not a live show, and therefore <laughs> you might be up with it. But obviously, you know, Scalise is 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 a, is a favorite. Jordan, another one. We'll see what happens. But it's well, really McCarthy part two. I mean, which again just yeah. lets us all to believe that the AI is writing things down. I think uh, we may have a speaker by the time we this this goes live. We may not. It wouldn't surprise me either way. Nothing would surprise me at this point, Michael, I think is, is right. the takeaway. Now, despite the fact that, that McHenry, um, you know, br- briefly, uh, for now, at least under, you know, in- interim speaker has this sort of brief period of power and he is possibly the most high profile supporter of, of, of at least legislating in an open way. Crypto is there in that role. I think the bigger takeaway is like this just utter disruption in the legislative process is just going to mean, as you just alluded to, that any fresh regulation is crypto is not a top priority right now when they just can't get their house in order. Uh, and yet, as you wrote, you know, a piece in Coindesk this week that if if we don't, if we just don't go through with this regulatory approach and give some clarity to this, then another Sam Bankman-Fried is 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 a real possibility. Why don't you lay out your thesis there? Well, I think, you know, so, okay, I have uh, so much to say about this. And, you know, I did write this this op-ed for Coindesk, and I have been quoted in the press quite a bit on this topic. And I have to say, to some degree, I I have um, been entertaining myself with some of the the interviews that I've been giving on this, because, look, I I think this whole thing, I love what Noel said 
in Wired. She and I were quoted extensively in Wired. And she said, this is a galactic embarrassment. And I, I think right. that just nails it, right? It's a great line. This is just, it's a Noel distraction. Noel Atchison is a, yeah, absolutely. No, yep. Longtime friend of the pod, often comes on the show with us. It is just a distraction. It is, it is an individual who is being put on trial. And for some reason, the press and others are painting this as if it is an indictment potentially of the entire industry. Now, I need to think, I think it's really important to note, the prosecution is not doing that in this case at all. The prosecution is very much talking about the actions of- Which is a tactic, right? Dan Bankman-Fried, correct. Yeah. That is coming from other parties, third parties. The, the, the defense would actually probably like to have, not crypto on trial, but certainly like, oh, look, crypto confusing. confusing. Yeah. Like, this idea that this is something else, right? So ironically, yes, this isn't the government that's uh, that's going after crypto. It's the defense of the crypto guy that is trying to throw it into the trial. Trying to say he's an average mu- guy right. in crypto, it's just, right? It's just, this, really confu- yeah. this is really confusing, guys. You don't understand it. Like they're trying to make it seem like it's simple, but it's not. It's really complicated. Yeah, that's the crypto on trial bit's coming from the defense, actually. Yeah, so it's it's just not accurate or true. And I think that most people who are thinking about this realize that. And I, you know, as I've said, I think Elizabeth Holmes was not, that case was not about diagnostic testing and whether that's Perfect. legitimate. It was about an individual, Perfect right? Analogy. And similarly yes. here, we're not putting, it's not, crypto is not on trial. And I find that absolutely ludicrous, as I've again said in the press. So I think that's sort of the frame on this. Now, of course, in parallel, you had Michael Lewis's book come out. I don't know if you read it. Mm-hmm. I did. I, I at some point write a haiku summarizing it because that's about all that's needed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, we can talk about that for sure. I think there's just a lot of people trying to benefit off of this situation and trying to make cases for their own, you know, projects or their own books or you know, whatever it is, right, off the situation. But what this ultimately is, is the jury of 12 unfortunate individuals who got stuck with this six-week trial, right, because they were living in a cave when all this went down. I don't know mm-hmm. how they found these people. Regardless, all that matters is ultimately what they think and to some extent what the judge thinks. It doesn't really matter what the rest of us think. And the point is, Whatever happens in this trial, is he convicted? Does he go to jail? Is he acquitted? Does he not go to jail? Whatever. It's not going to create restitution for the victims. So I, my mm-hmm. personal belief and wish is that we should be paying a lot more attention to the bankruptcy proceedings, which are where they're unearthing the funds to make mm-hmm. whole those who suffered from the actions of a Sam at his direction. Who knows? I mean, evidence will show what it shows. Regardless, a lot of people, including many of FTX's employees, we're very, very hurt by this. And I mean, mm-hmm. financially hurt, life mm-hmm. savings kind of hurt, yeah. right? Wiped out kind of hurt. And making them whole should be the priority. But that is not what criminal justice is about, right? Those people might get the moral benefit or whatever, the lift, seeing him go to jail, that might make them feel a little better, but it won't give them back their life savings. Mm-hmm. And so this trial is a distraction from what I actually think should be the main event. Right. But necessary. Like we have yeah, to course. go through the judicial process. There has to yeah. be justice served. Well, criminals should go to jail. The criminals People should go to jail. Found guilty, right. should the, the, be convicted the, the, and, the bigger problem is whether or not in doing so, as you say, it, it is not just a distraction, but it also again, creates this image, this yes. smoke screen, this everything else. Like I just got out of a podcast today, a recording with Wired. This is with uh, mm-hmm. Gideon Litchfield. Ran today. He and I just batted against each other for the whole time. He's a big crypto skeptic. And I, I felt like, you know, and I just listened to the recording and Gideon and, and Lauren Good, who are the, the co-hosts of it, have a nice opportunity at the beginning to lay out their thesis. Then I get brought in and then 
then they get back and sum it all up and basically just everything I say, which I found kind of frustrating as a format, I must say, Gideon, if you're listening. Nonetheless, it was interesting that like any effort to just try to make the case that let's just let's focus on this technology. Let's try to build a structural environment, whether it's, you know, SEC, CFTC, whatever legislative model we have to like allow this technology to, to foster in a way that is safe for human beings, that seems to get lost. I mean, and guys like Gideon who are just opposed to this, no, no, look look how bad all this is. There is an inordinate number of scams. And all of that is true. But I think as, as, as you were writing, like in some respects, that scamminess is a function of the, of the lack of clarity around the regulatory framework. And so you're sort of stuck with this chicken and egg problem. And the point I would make is like, look, Sam Bankman-Fried is just, he just conducted good old white collar fraud of which we've seen throughout history, just Wikipedia, you know, Wall Street and fraud. Yeah. Uh, and it's you're going to get a, a long, 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 right. long, long this list. Is, this is old timey fraud and the legacy of this fraud, you know, to your point is Bernie Madoff, it's Ken Lay, you know, it's, it's not. But it seems impossible to discuss this with people without like them, it's crypto's fault. Like it just feels that is, I, that it's a, it's a very, very lonely voice at the moment. To be able to say, no, let's step back. Let's look at the tech. Let's try to recognize its qualities. And I mean, I don't know that I agree with that. Okay. So, so I've done the rounds. I think I've been interviewed by every major publication at this point. I've been on most, I think, multiple news broadcasts. I don't have any hesitation saying this. And I don't think it's a uh, difficult thing to say. But I think there are some prominent voices in Congress and in other places as well, who are taking advantage of this moment for sure. Elizabeth Warren leaps to mind, taking advantage of the SBF trial, taking advantage of the situation in Israel, which I find extremely distasteful uh, to be raising this, but regardless, important also, but you know, yeah, I don't know, timing is an, is an interesting question, that are just dunking on crypto. And look, crypto is easy to dunk on. I think we just have to acknowledge that. And I think there are people who are taking advantage of this to do that deliberately uh, and to try to draw some threads that don't actually exist, especially to the SBF trial. Like, I think that those threads just don't exist. But what I found interesting is, I think, to your point of the general public, some of this comes from these, again, prominent voices that are talking about this in a particular biased way, I would say. And others, I think, just comes from the last you know, year, right? Year and a bit where you've just seen collapse after collapse after collapse, and you've seen a lot of those collapses be because some exploitative person or group of people went in there, you know, pretty much deliberately trying to make a buck at the expense of somebody else. And that has happened in the industry. And so I don't know that this particular moment is anything other than the apotheosis of the past year and change, where you've seen a bunch of this, you know, kind of going down. Now, the Sam situation is the situation that refuses to die. And I think it's why a lot of us are like, <laughs> we just get this trial over with and put the guy in jail or whatever happens. Right. And just like get, you know, focus on bankruptcy court, make people whole, figure that out. Like, let's just like move, right. you know, move on, not move on because we have to learn lessons from this also as an industry. Mm -hmm. But I think the lessons are not the technology is flawed. The lessons are we need to be cautious about who we valorize. And that is a broader societal question. I've already, I've also said this, although I haven't gotten picked up in quotes yet. But look, some of this oh, is the cult we're of celebrity you here. around this. Here we are. Yeah. It's the cult of celebrity, right? It's yeah, the idea absolutely. that we take, we take, in some cases, Caroline Ellison is what, 28 years old? Right. When this was all going down, she was 25 years old. She was in love with some guy. I mean, it's just like- yeah. Uh, you know, people have lived that story, right? Of being well, this like, is, yeah. And that this this cult of celebrity thing is a sort of a broader function of society. That's right. You that's mean, right. We've always had the cult of celebrity, but I do think that like, there's Not something this about degree. this current current moment and like the get rich quick celebrity, the the sort of the 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 
the startup founder who suddenly becomes phenomenally wealthy. That's a very relatively contemporary idea. And I think the that, TikTok that's a influencer. huge part of it, right? The TikTok, the TikTok influencer, influencer is the same, same thing. Things. It's the flip same side thing. of the exact same thing, uh, ab- right? Absolutely. I think it's a huge problem. As you know, I'm you know working on a book that kind of deals with some of this stuff. I think that we've built yeah. an information system that actually rewards people for celebrating all the wrong things. And I mean, that that can sound like some sort of old man whining, but the, but there is. There's actually a systematic model that is is problematic here. Now, let's put that aside for a moment, though. Um, you know, I think it's especially incumbent on the crypto industry to to try to grapple with this because, you know, it, it's foundational ethos of this industry is that you can't actually trust individuals. You shouldn't put all your confidence in so-and-so because they are a star or respected because everybody could become corrupted. The corruption, the risk of corruption lies in that intermediating role that 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 people have if they control you and your assets. So, okay, how how did the most extreme version of this actually land in the crypto space, right? I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we face. You know, this is exactly what this is. Technology is not supposed to uh, result in. I think there's a special responsibility um, for, for those in this space to deal with that particular issue. We're not going to talk about the trial, though. We said this, but I am just going to just to just to like read this latest headline just to get a sense of why we're all so eager to like to get beyond it. Look, in journalism, we love a good fight, and so of course, you know, CoinDesk is all over this. We we do think we have a certain ownership of this story, of course. We won a Loeb Award, which I should say is one of those things that happened between the last time you and I got together, which was pretty exciting, for um, having written the piece, uh, Ian Allison's famous piece that, that exposed the balance sheet that led to all of this. So naturally, Coindesk is all over this story. Uh, just the headline is all I'm going to give, though, for the latest one from Karen Ellison's testimony today. Chinese bribes, Saudi investors, and Thai prostitutes. Carolyn Ellison gives SBF trials most shocking testimony yet. It's just like, oh, oh my God, my God. <laughs> please, enough, right? Introducing PayUSD, PayPal's US dollar equivalent stablecoin. Designed for digital payments and Web3 transactions, PayUSD is the only stablecoin supported by PayPal. Built on Ethereum, it's compatible with the most widely used wallets, exchanges, and dApps, and fully backed by US dollar deposits and cash equivalents. Eligible US PayPal customers who purchase PayPal USD are able to transfer PayPal USD between PayPal and compatible external wallets, send PayPal USD to friends in the US on PayPal or Venmo without fees, shop with PayPal USD on millions of sites, wallets, and dApps, convert any of PayPal's supported cryptocurrencies to and from PayPal USD. Whether you are a crypto expert or a newcomer to the world of digital currencies, PayPal provides a secure and convenient platform for your crypto transactions. Start exploring now at paypal.com PYUSD. If, if our listeners could see this, I just want to, for the record, point out that Sheila on Zoom just had her hands between her glasses and her face. <laughs> she was just trying to. You just can't make this stuff up. It's just, look, I, I w- would that there were a law in the land that anybody whose brain is not fully developed cannot suddenly be responsible or have control over billions of dollars. Like if only that were a law hmm. of the land, right? Wouldn't that be a thing? There's a reason that, 
you know, uh, trust funds kick in at, you know, 25 or whatever it is, right? Because mm. people don't trust young people to have a lot of money. And why? Well, here's why. I, mm -hmm. I just, I just, the whole thing is just horrifying. And it's horrifying in a very different way than the way we started this episode. But again, nothing um, to do with crypto. But can I tell you my other, my yes, other favorite joke please. that I've been, I've been saying all the time that, sure. I, that I also, because I'm very funny, as you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so my other joke is, you know, what are we doing in AI right now? Uh, so new Sam, as I call Sam Altman, right? Uh -huh, we're yeah. just building a cult of celebrity around this guy now. Mm -hmm. And his name is Sam. And I'm just like, are, did we learn nothing? Like, yeah. look, Sam Bankman-Fried is a genius. Sam Altman, also a genius. That does not mean that they, they, are they should have this much power. Right? Exactly. And, and look, and arguably nor, Sam Nor, Altman. by the way, that they are emblematic or speak on behalf of an entire industry. No. And the fact that Sam Bankman-Fried was seen in some quarters of Washington as the spokesperson for an industry, I cannot tell you how many people in Washington have told me they're falling all over themselves to take a meeting with Sam Altman. Right. And I'm like, literally, the guy's name is Sam. Like, I mean, li like, literally, like, I don't even know how summer, much Summer of Sam. Summer of Sam. You can't make this stuff up, Michael. So it's a broader problem in our culture that we valorize, you know, look, generally speaking, young white men who are admittedly very talented, very smart geniuses, even. I think that is a fair designation in both cases. But they are they they lack other sorts of maturity or experience, in some cases, scruples, a moral compass. I don't know. Hmm. And shouldn't we be quite cautious about imbuing them with an outsized amount of power and frankly capital, yeah. right? Without any sort of check on that and allowing them to run around unrestricted. I just find that to be mind-blowing, but here we are doing it again and again. Yeah, I mean, it's a, again, a much bigger Good question for Sam. society, right? And I, and I do think, as I said before, that this is a, it is a contemporary phenomenon connected to the utter speed with which it is possible to become rich in these, you know, fast-moving, startup-infused, you know, VC-infused environments with technologies like AI, which can be so transformative so rapidly that, it just generates a massive amount of wealth very quickly in a very narrow field. And then all of a sudden, that metric, this idea that, oh, look how fast this person suddenly became a billionaire becomes a measure for whatever crazy reason of their ability to opine on everything else and to set standards and rules and and and, That's right. and have that level of influence, right? That That is the biggest problem. I mean, it, it's maybe, maybe as well as just about money politics, right? The fact that our political system is so deeply captured by money, uh, yes, you're going to get an audience if you have got a checkbook that's uh, they know behind it is a bank account with a chunk of money. So, you know, it's um, that, yeah. that's a key part of the problem. I mean, Michael, you're catching me on a day when, you know, I'm just living in like no one's coming to save us land. You know, no one's coming to save us, right? Uh, again, we don't even have like a, a whole chamber of our legislature is not even functioning. And we have a court, the Supreme Court, that is more and more trying to say that administrative agencies do not have the power to interpret uh, congressional language without an act of Congress or the courts. So we're stripping power away from actual experts that sit in those agencies, I find to be in line with how we're what we're doing as a society. If you like, can go trust some rando on Twitter or X mm. or whatever, why would you trust somebody who actually had spent decades of their life devoted to learning about a topic? But right? this is also why, why? an argument for the SEC to get its act together and actually oh, just do some rulemaking so that you're not going to have that power stripped away from you by the courts. I mean, you're asking for trouble in a way by 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 creating this vacuum 
or the other thing is like people leave the United States. I mean, one way or another, it's an exit from executive power by the departure of innovation overseas to other places where they don't have a check on it or the court stepping in and yeah, maybe ideologically driven or otherwise stripping that away. This is, I feel like you made your bed, now lie in it. I don't really know what we do, which I probably shouldn't be saying. So I think a lot of people look to me as the person who is doing the thing that Give we should do. Save and us, Sheila. At, at this, yeah, I, you know, uh, Sheila Warren, the president. <laughs> at the, well, at this, at this exact current moment, and look, once we have a speaker, I think things will will play out and resolve a bit. But at this exact moment, with this kind of churn and everything else going on, with the SEC voting three two on so many topics that involve digital assets with the advent of AI coming faster than anyone can even comprehend who's not in that industry. Um, and I'm industry adjacent. I used to be, you know, m- paying much more attention there. All these things with, you know, climate stuff, we go, we go back and forth over all these things, right? I, I don't really know what we do. And I'm not a person who's ever been a techno-utopian. Like, I do not think that tech is coming to save us either, right? Because at the end of the day- That's a dangerous is, Yeah, that, that's, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm neither dystopian nor utopian about tech. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the things that happen with tech are things that humans are going to be doing with tech. AI personhood is going to come in and inject itself into that whole situation in ways that I think we can't even possibly contemplate yet. Regardless, I think it's to some extent about what it's always about which is people standing up and speaking out and and saying things out loud saying right. the quiet things enough out is loud enough. right enough is enough and i and i think there are there's no hesitation on the part of extremists on all sides to say all kinds of words and i think many of us who do not fall into any of those sorts of ideological or technological or whatever other camps you know don't always say the words out loud and so i think it's critically important you know denouncing terrorist activity calling somebody who is a criminal, a criminal, like not being afraid to say things Mm. out loud and say there are people among us who are motivated by exploitation, by personal gain, by, I guess, in one case, effective altruism, whatever they're motivated by, what that leads them to do sure looks an awful lot like exploitation. I'm supposed to say alleged blah, blah. But I mean, I think at this point, Mm. we've got multiple, going back to SP, we have multiple people who have testified and pled guilty and said, Yep, we crimed in broad daylight. We crimin', you know, and like we all crimed yeah. together, and then we kept crimin'. You know what I mean? It's, and now we feel that's bad amazing. Yeah, like, that's it. They, we did this it. This is yeah. not a normally. You know, I'm a lawyer. I would use all kinds of nuanced words and blah blah blah. But in this case, I'm like, oh come on. Sometimes you just got to call the thing for what it is. And so just, I've certainly tried to do that. Yeah. I'm trying to do it in this in the role that I'm in now. I've been trying to do it for a long time, as you know. I know you are you are the same. But I think it's about more people kind of stepping up and recognizing that. If we are silent, we are complicit. And mm. it goes back to, you know, civil rights. You can you can take the frame from wherever you want to take it. But by remaining silent about bad actors in our industry, about criminal behavior, about terrorists, about whatever it is, and we're just focusing on the topic of our show, but I mean this more generally, by remaining silent, we are complicit. And so yeah. it behooves all of us to be using our voices in whatever sphere of influence we have to say, like, some of these things are just not okay. They're not okay. They're antisocial. They're dangerous. They're irresponsible, wherever on the spectrum they fall, and to be having that dialogue out loud. So it's one of the yeah. reasons I always appreciate, you know, talking with you um, and our show, because I think we do, I, if I may, I think we do a good job of trying to do this. But it has to come from more people than just us. It has to come from people across across the, the co- it's like positions I think, of, yeah, of influence. And we, and we have to wrap. And I think, therefore, let's just, let's summarize what you said as a call to action, right? I mean, yeah. and also, I just want to quickly say this as well. Coindesk uh, won an award, but Sheila Warren named to the Washingtonians list of 
the 169 most powerful women in Washington. Uh, so, so there you go. <laughs> Your voice matters, Sheila. Everybody who's listening to this, you heard what she had to say. Go out there, call spades, spades, stand up for what is right. Like just, it's time to to stop shirking the responsibilities we have and, and worrying about like, you know, all of these sort of- What will Twitter think of us? That, right. <laughs> It's yeah. his time to just 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 stand up for what's right. So on that note, let's let's wind it up, Sheila. Thank you so much. Great to be back uh, with you, and we will be back again next week for another edition of Money Reimagined. You can listen to us weekly on the CoinDesk Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you, so please send us an email with whatever you think at podcasts@coindesk.com. Subject line: Money Reimagined. That's it for now. See you later. You're listening to Money Reimagined with Michael Casey and Sheila Warren. Today's show was edited and produced by Michelle Mousseau. Our theme song is The News Tonight by Shimmer. We would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, Money Reimagined. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.